Let's go. All right. So we were speaking last week about Ashrei and Lamnatzeach Yan Hashem Beom The the tefillot which are said after Shmon Esrei in the morning tefillah, as we're progressing through the Sidur. Um, one minor note is that I I saw something I didn't see last week, which is that in Ashrei. And the minhag was in the in the Roman machsorim and the Romaniot machsorim was not to say Ashrei unless it was a Monday or Thursday after uh, Shmona Esrei, or if they were special days they would say Ashrei. But in typically, Ashrei was not said after uh, the Shmona Esrei. As we explained, there were different minhagim whether or not to say Ashrei or Yancha. They never said Yancha, but as we explained, that those minhagim varied. So now we continue. With another section. This section um, is called Uvalitzion, and Uvalitzion is interesting. Okay, so Uvalitzion is a collection of pesukim mostly. It's not a composition in its own right. Some of the later parts of it, like Baruch Alakin Shabbatanu Lechvodo, there are certain elements of it which might be a an original composition. However. Uh, by and large, it is a compilation of Pesukim from Yeshaya, it's a compilation of Pesukim from Tehillim. Now, while next week we might we will definitely go into, uh, God willing, the we're going to go into the um, the the text of Ubalitzion and the meaning, and we'll we'll analyze the Targum, etc. This week we're going to focus solely on the history of Ubalitzion, how it developed, who instituted it the inception and evolution of Uvalitzion, where it came from. So this is one of the more mysterious... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I have to admit people into the waiting room. This technology is um, technology is, is terrible. Okay, sorry about the waiting room, guys. It doesn't want to turn off the setting. Fine. So we're going to begin... I'm just going to mute a couple people for their microphones... I'm going to begin with the Gemara Sota because the earliest source of the the earliest source of Uvalitzion comes from this Gemara. So I'm going to share my screen if anybody else wants to follow along. It's the Gemara Sota Daf Mem Tet Amud Aleph, and we'll look at this together. So it begins here. The Mishnah says in Sota Daf Mem Chet Amud Aleph. Um, where do I share my screen? Here we go. Share. Okay, so the Mishnah says, in the name of one of the Amoraim, no, one of the Tanaim, I think it was Rabbi Yoshua, the Mishnah says, Hei'id um, Yeshua, I'm just going to show you here, Adaf Memchet, Rabbi Yeshua testified, Miyom shecharav beit hamikdash, em yom she'en bo klala. From the day when the temple was destroyed, there is not a day in which there was no level of curse on the world. V'lo yarad hatal livracha, and the dew didn't descend in a blessed form. Vinital tama perot, and the and the the uh, taste of fruit have become weakened. Now, what each and every one of these things means is its own esoteric um, examination. However, the Gemara does explain them one by one what they mean, and does go into a little bit of depth. Uh, to each one. So now we're going to switch to Daf Memtet, where the Gemara explains En Yom Shembo Klala, um, that there is no day that had no curse. So the Gemara says in the name of Rav, Rav, of Rava, Amar Rava, 
right here in the middle of the page. Rava expounded on this Memra of Rabbi Yoshua, and he says that there is no day in the Galut, there is no day in the exile where it isn't more cursed than the day before. As the Pasuk says in Zvarim, in the morning you will say, if only it were evening, and in the evening it will say, if only it were morning. So says the Gemara, it tries to learn this Pasuk, which, which Bokar is it talking about? If it's talking about if only it's tomorrow morning, would you know what's going to come tomorrow? So it can't be, you can't be hoping for tomorrow if you don't know what's going to come. It must mean the the um, the the morning which passed. Meaning at nighttime you're like, oh my gosh, my day was so terrible. I wish today were yesterday. So says the Gemara. So if that's the Taich in the pasuk that that every day of Galut is going to get worse, and that's the curse. How is it possible that the world is still standing? Is it possible that a world where every day is more cursed than the next should still exist? We should already be far past the dystopia at this point. So the Gemara answers, Standing on two things. One is the Kedusha de Sidra. And the Mepharshim explained that means Ubalitzion. This is our Mesorah, that Kedusha de Sidra is another name for Ubalitzion. And for the Kaddish, which is said after we study the Agadah, after we study anything which is a Drasha. Shinemar, as the Pasuk says, Eretz Afeta, I think, Kemo Ofel, the land shall be dark like the thickest darkness. Salmavet, Vilo, Vilo Starim. It's going to be the sh- like the shadow of death without order, like chaos without order. So, Pasuk Sodagmara says, Hayesh Sdarim, if there was an order, meaning if there was a Seder done, then Tofia Me'ofel, you should radiate forth from the darkness. That's the Gemara. The Gemara says that Uvalitzion and Yehishme Rabba de Agadita together keep the world standing. They keep the world from destroying themselves. So we have to understand what is so special about this Kedusha, this sanctification of God's name. What is so special about the Kaddish, which keeps the world standing? So Rashi comes to the rescue. Rashi says, Ela alma amaik mikayim, says Rashi. If the world is getting worse and worse, how does the world stand? It's standing on the Kedusha of Sidra. It's, it's an order of sanctification of Hashem's name. Rashi gives us some history. Rashi says the whole reason that this, uh, this prayer was instituted, it was instituted in order so that Jewish people should learn every single day, not just Monday and Thursday where we take out the Torah, but there should be some Torah learning every day. Davar um, Muat, even if it were a little. She'omar kriyato v'targumos, that we should say some pesukim and their translation. V'hein ke'oskin b'Torah, and it would be as if they learned Torah. V'kivan she'noheg b'chol Yisrael b'tamidimu ba'amei ha'aretz. And because this was the custom among all Jews, whether they were learned or laymen, and because we have two things, number one, the sanctification of God's name, and number two, we are reciting certain pesukim with their tagum, it is very dear to heaven. That's Rashi's simple pshat of the Gemara. V'chein, Rashi goes on a little bit about the Kaddish. Also, this is the Amen which is speaking about, and the Yehesh Rabba which it's speaking about, 
is the Amen, which they would say after they after they were finished learning, they would say a Kaddish, and they would say this Kaddish in in public after they had learned, finished doing a public drasha, especially on Shabbat when everybody would come together to learn. The Shmuel Eno Yom because nobody was working. Torah Hashem, and since there was Torah learning and a Kiddush Hashem, therefore it was also endeared. So Rashi is saying that there's a special significance to when Torah is used. When Torah is used as a conduit, or Torah is used as a springboard for Kiddush Hashem, that is a tremendously powerful combination. When we learn Torah together and we use that as a springboard to be Mekadesh Shem Shemaim, to say Yeheshmei Rabbah Mivrach or to say Kadosh, 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 that's a very, very powerful thing, and it's powerful enough to keep the world from getting more and more destroyed every single day. So, there's a lot here. Rashi is giving us some history, and Rashi is um, telling us that the institution of Uvalitzion was simply in order to allow us to learn a little bit every day. And Uvalitzion, the, the saying the verses inside of it with the translation constitutes Torah learning, along with the Pesukim of Kiddushah. This equals uh, Torah and Kiddush Hashem. So. This means that, according to Rashi, the Gemara should have not said Kedushah de Sidra. It should have said Sidra de Kedushah, the order of the Kedushah. And in fact, many of the Rishonim have that as their Girsah. Rashi does not have this as the version in the Gemara, but if you're thinking about it grammatically, the Rishonim who have the version in, in the Gemara of Sidra de Kedushah would be more correct according to this, because it was first the Tefillah, it was an order of sanctification, which was instituted to be said after the tefillah. That would be so much for Rashi. But there are many other histories and many other explanations for what was the history here of Kiddushah de Sidra and how it, how it came to be. And I just, sorry, I, had a, I have an area here in my notes which belongs a little later, so it confused me, which usually gets dealt with before the shiur. Okay, so now... That's Rashi is the first, um, the first history. Rashi's history is that it was instituted first as a tefillah to be some form of Torah learning. The second history, the second version of how Uvalitzion came to be, exists in the Teshuvot of the Geonim, and this is actually the the version which secular researchers prefer because first of all the Geonim were earlier than Rashi and the Geonim had better history. But furthermore, because they think it makes more sense and it fits more with the themes which are spoken about within Uvalitzion. But it's also a very important teshuvah. It's brought in many of the Rishonim, and it specifically, it seems to be a teshuvah from the Rabbi Natronai Gaon. And he was asked about how this came to be. How did, where did it come from? Why, why were they Koveah, what he calls the Seder Kedushah, right? The Seder of Kedushah. Rambam also calls it that, the Seder Hayom, the Seder Kedushah. They had a different way of, of, of describing it. So let's see the, um, there'll be the, the Teshuvah together. There's, there's many different variations of it, so I'm not going to go into a scholarly dissection of each one, but it's, it's important to, to recognize that it's different than Rashi in small details. First of all, says Rabbi Naturnaigaon, why was it instituted? The original custom of the earlier pious Jews, meaning before the time of the Geonim, probably as early as the Amoraim, was in a, in a town where there were many Torah scholars. 
after they were finished the tefillah and the tefillah apayim, after they would already finish the tefillah and say yeheshmer maybe in navi they would take out a, a scroll of the scriptures, they would take out a, they would take out a, a book of navi, they would read at least ten pesukim, a little more, a little less, and they would then uh, they would then translate those pesukim. And after that, they would say, they would say that that Pasuk in Yeshaya and the Kadosh Kadosh Kadosh, and they'd also translate it. In order to end with the Shvach of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, so it sounds like there's some variated version, variegated versions of how to read this, that they would purposefully. Um, insert after every day, every davening, they would insert at least ten pesukim of navi just so every and translate them just so everybody should learn together. Then he says vacharkach mekadeshin, which also sounds more like saying the same thing that they would do this kedusha v'oskim b'torah and they would learn every day. Harotzeb b'mishnah osek, harotzeb b'tamud osek. Some people would sit down and learn mishnah. Some would learn gemara. L'kayem ashinemar la'olam yishalish adam limidob b'choyom. So then what happened? And then when poverty struck their communities and people needed to go to go earn a parnasah and they didn't have time to stay so so long extra in so much extra longer in shul. They weren't able to learn every day after davening. They were somech on the minor learning alone, etc. So in other words, what happened was, even though they stopped learning Navi every day, they did not stop saying those two pesukim, which was, and they still stand there and they remain, um, because it's a kedusha, kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Basically, what he's saying is that there was originally a practice that everyone would learn after davening. How would they learn? They would take out a navi and learn and learn ten pesukim with the targum, and then they would say more pesukim from the targum, which were kedusha Hashem, which was kadosh, kadosh, and they would be mitargem them. And then, um, what happened was was that uh, they ran out of time to do this. There weren't as many Torah scholars. People were more busy with work. They couldn't do this extra thing of learning after davening, so they cut it shorter. And all that remained was this ending prayer called Uvalet Sion. He also brings, I'm not going to read it inside, but he also brings the Minhag of the Beit Midrash of Rav, where he says that they would finish tefillah, then they would learn for four hours straight until Chatzot, basically, till at least, the, well, the fourth hour of the day, he says, so it was probably 10 o'clock. And then, after learning, then they would do Uvalitzion Goel, and they would do the Kedusha. Okay, so that would be the early history. And the evidence for this is also in the second part of Uvalitzion, where it says, Meaning that the second paragraph of Uvalitzion extols the virtues of learning Torah. So it would seem that there's evidence in the body of the text itself that Uvalitzion was a prayer, or a shvach, a praise, said by the community together, after they had learned Torah together. And that's why it speaks about uh, the Torah. So in this um, version, Kiddusha, I'm sorry, am I still showing the Gemara? In this version, the version of Kiddusha de Sidra, the, the, the Girsa and the Gemara, where it says Kiddusha de Sidra, not Sidra de Kiddusha, makes more sense. 
because you're saying it's the Kiddusha of the order. You're not saying it is the order of the Kiddusha. What is Kiddusha de Sidra? Kiddusha of the order of learning. When you have a Sidra, it's when you have a sermon, when you have people learning together, a lecture. So the Kiddusha, which is said after the sermon. So this is why we have two variant differences in, in the reading of the Gemara. Some had Kiddusha de Sidra because they understood the history one way. Some had Sidra de Kiddusha because they understood the history Rashi's way. These are the first two histories and the first two different versions as to what happened and why it was instituted. They're similar in the sense that they were both instituted because of Torah study, but the exact histories are a little bit different. Now, also, one of, um, Ismail Elbogan, one of the secular researchers, he, he suggests that, you know how today people end the drasha, the veniskel, the, the people say, veniskel, uh, you know all the all the all the people say that after after limu uh, Torah they all they all ask they all say a short tefillah for Mashiach. He believes that this is an ancient practice. That when people were finished uh, studying Torah, they would uh, they would end their their Torah learning or their sermons with a tefillah for Mashiach, and therefore Ubalitzion Goel was the Pesukim they would use then, and they would say, Ubalitzion Goel, Like that was the way they would end their their Torah Shiurim as a way of praying for the Mashiach at the end of a Shiur. It's interesting. I don't know what his other proofs are for that. I didn't have time to to uh, take a deep dive. But that's that's that theory and that's the the one of the the version of the Gionim. So, so far we've done two. There are five. We're going to get to, now comes the third. The Rakeach and Rabbi Shlomo ben Rav Shimshon from Mijermeza. Both of them were Hasidei Ashkenaz from the early Rishonim in Germany. As well as the Orzara and Hilchot Shabbat of, uh, uh, Nun, Halacha Nun, have a totally different story. Their story is that once upon a time there was a king, evil king, and the evil king was approached by his subjects who were Gentiles, and they said, um, the Jews are saying in the synagogue this kedusha, this uh, thrice uh, um, sanctification of God. The Christians were also aware of this, by the way. And how could they, how could they say that they are greater than the angels? They are greater than the than the malachim who malachei asharet who praise God, and they praise God more times a day than the angels. It's, it's disrespectful of God that they could claim that they are greater than the angels. And the king said, okay, fine, let's enforce that the Jews should not be able to say the Kedushah in the morning. So what happened was, was that Nakdishah, which, which is in the Chazarat HaShatz, was outlawed. And so there would be guards that came to the synagogue, and the guards told, told, uh, would watch there to make sure that no one would do Kedushah every day. So what they did was, is that they would go through Chazarat HaShatz without saying Kedushah until the guards left. And then they would say Kedushah after. Um, in some versions of the story, they would say it way later after the guards left. In some versions of the story, they would just say it in Aramaic so the guards wouldn't understand it. And then finally, the king died, but they kept the gezerah, they kept the minhag just to remember the nace or to remember the episode, and that's why it remained that way. So that's another story. It's also similar if you look back all the way to our shiur on the It's a very similar history to that where the theory is that there was a gzera against Kriyat Shema, and therefore they said it uh, before they came to shul, before the guards could even notice. Just look back for that shiur, it's a fascinating story, if it's true.
uh, Yazdegerd in, in uh, I think it was a Persian king or a Byzantine king. Okay, so that's the, the third history and the third theory for how Valad Sion came to be. There's a fourth version. This version is from Yehud, Yehuda ben Yakar, one of the, the, he was the Rebbe of the Ramban, as well as the Abu Durham, another one of the Rishonim, Rabbi David Abu Durham. They both say that the reason Ovalitzion is simply a tefillah, and the reason it was instituted after, it's simply a tefillah, it's simply a kedushah, it's like an excuse for kedushah. It was instituted after Shmon Esrei for all the lay people who would, the late people who would come to shul too late. The people who came to shul so late that they missed the Kiddushah and Chazarat Hashatz, that they missed it after the Amidah, there, they would then have an extra opportunity to do Kiddushah with the Tzibor, and that's why Uval Etzion was instituted. So, on Shabbat, obviously, everybody came on time, so they didn't have to do it on the Shachrit. They only did it on the Menuchah, as we'll explain. Okay, so the Yavetz, is the fifth theory. And the Yavetz, or Yaakov Emden, only lived a few hundred years ago, has his own theory. He rejects certain other histories because he doesn't think that they're true. And he has another theory. I don't know if it's based on anything, but his approach is that the Gemara says in Brachot, it's very clever. The Gemara says in Brachot, from the day that the, I'm sorry if I'm not quoting that perfectly, but from the day that the, that the, temple was destroyed, the, all the gates in heaven to accept tefillah were closed besides for the share de ma'ot, besides for the, for the gates of tears. There's another Gemara which says that the share teshuvah lo ninalu, that the, the gates, meaning the gates of teshuvah, they're always open. The, a person could break through under the kiseh hakavo, they could rip up skardinim. person who does teshuvah can um, open the gates of Shemayim. So says the uh, says Rabbi Yaakov Emden, perhaps Ubal Etzion uh, Goel is coming to say that it's it's a prayer that our Shmona Esrei should be accepted in the merit of Teshuvah because it says Ubal Etzion Goel Ul Yaakov and to those who are uh, repenting from sin, those people will uh, merit to see the Redeemer. This doesn't tie in so nightly, nicely as to why we add the, the sanctification part or the Kiddushah or why we add components of Torah. He seems to, to have a way, a, a, some sort of structural way of, of connecting them, which I don't really understand. But that's his theory. So we have five in total, about five, a few more, uh, varied, varied ver variegated versions of this, of the history of how Uvalitzion was created. Uh, instituted. Number one, Rashi. Rashi says it was instituted to, to do Torah with Kiddush Hashem every day. Um, then we have the Geonim who said it's a relic of an ancient practice to learn every day after the prayers. Number three, we have a story, an episode of some king and some, and some decree not to say Kiddushah after Shmon Esrei. Number four, we have a theory that it's simply written for new, for latecomers to shul. And number five, we have a theory that it's there to um, effectuate the acceptance of our prayers through the power of teshuvah because the gates of tefillah have been closed. So now, why do we translate all the words? So if you think about it, we've had some answers 
for each approach, there would be a different answer. According to Rashi and the Geonim, it's very Pashut. We translate because it's Torah learning. In their times, they spoke Aramaic, and the translation was part of the learning. It was like the Talmud, and therefore they would translate uh, the words of the scripture. According to the Rakeach, he has a story with the decree of the king, so they were translated in order to deceive the guards that they weren't saying Kedushah. According to the Abu Durham, there's no neat reason. I, I, I don't understand why they would translate it. I think, oh no, I'm sorry. The Abu Durham does say, he says, he says the reason we translate it is because the latecomers are usually also Ameha Aretz. They're usually also people who are not very flu fluent in Pesukim. So if the latecomers came late to Shul and they missed the Kedushah, we're going to translate the words for them too. If I remember correctly, that's how the Abu Durham says it. And lastly, the Avetz. I don't remember if he explains why we're mitargamet, but those that's that's in general why we um, are mitargamet, uh, give it a tirgum. Now there's also a Kabbalistic lean to this. First of all, before I get into the czar, the uh, okay, let's let, let, let's let's understand the Kabbalistic lean for why there is a targum. First of all, the czar and truma kuflamet gimul amud aleph talks about the Kiddushah de Sidra. He talks about the Kiddushah of Uvalisyon. And he says that this Kiddushah, he calls it Tosefet Kiddushah al Kiddushot Achranin. This is a, an additional sanctification to add to the previous sanctifications. Meaning this is, we first had the Kiddushah of Yotzer, the Kiddushah which comes before uh, Shema. Then we had the Kiddushah of Chazrat Hashat, that's two. This is yet another one, a third one. So this is an extra Kiddushah, that's what the Zohar calls it. And the Zohar says that Lashon HaKodesh is a requirement for when the Kahal is Makdish Hashem. When the Kahal together, it bitzibor, when they're doing it together as a community and they're sanctifying Hashem's name, they are obligated to use Lashon HaKodesh. But there is another component to this that the Zohar explains it's important for every Yachid, every individual, to also say this extra Kedushah, to bring down more Kedushah. And therefore, because it's imperative that individuals take a part of this extra Kedushah too, he says that we have to say it in Aramaic, because things that are said individually are said in Aramaic. We can't say them in Lashon HaKodesh. If they're said just to bring down Shefa, to bring down uh, spirituality to the individual, it would have to be said in Targum. This um, concept of Kiddushah we spoke about previously in, in the Kiddushah Yotzer, I think we spoke about this, that there's some Kabbalistic system of the Kiddushah, like the, you have to bring down the Malchut of Atzilut from Shmon Esrei um, down into, into Briah. We spoke about this previously. The, the, I think the, the language of the Shar, Shar HaKabanot is Lahakdish Malchut of Briah, to be Makdish the Malchut of Briah, whatever it means. You're, you're kind of bringing down the shefa, you're bringing down the successful bracha, the successful blessing, which we've accomplished through um, saying the Shemona Esrei, and we're bringing it down into the next uh, meditative realm, which is the realm of Briah afterwards. So that's why this Kedusha exists. It's on, it, the, the way the, the Kuvalim put it is that the, uh, the, this is a Kedusha of the world of Briah, the Shara Kavanot goes a little further, and he says that we say it in Targum, not just because it's a Yachid, but also not just because we're saying it individually and we need to bring down that Shefa, but also because saying it in Targum manages to conceal, he says, or to um, implant 
the power of the world of Atzilut into the world of uh, Bria. It clothes, it, you're clothing the power of the Lashon HaKodesh in the power of the, of the Targum. So basically you're putting a layer on top of it in order to bring it into a lower world. That's the, the Kabbalistic lean on it. Now, the reason this is a little interesting is because in the in the in the in the Sharei Teshuvah, which is one of the Shailot and Teshuvot of the Geonim, uh, Nun Hei, it brings from a quote unquote Yushami, which says something very similar to this Zohar. It also says that this is a Kedushah to extend the Kedushah after the previous two Kedushot, which is a Kabbalistic terminology. There's an extra. Um, draw of holiness down onto the people that comes after Shemona Esrei. That's the terminology. And the, this Yerushalmi, quote-unquote, that the Gonim are, are referencing uses that language as well. But um, it also says that we say it in Targum so that the Malachim shouldn't understand, so that the angels shouldn't understand, which uh, refers back to that story that the Abudraham said. In other words, that the angels only get to say it twice a day, uh, according to the Midrashic sources. But the Jewish people say it three times a day. So in order so that the angel shouldn't be jealous, they, we said it in Targum, which doesn't really explain why you say it in both Lashon HaKadosh and Targum, but that's the, that's the words of the, uh, the Yerushalmi, which they reference. Um, I think I'm forgetting something. Give me a second. Um... Right, I'm forgetting the Ben Yehoyada. So the Ben Yehoyada, the Ben Yishchai, says on the Gemara in, uh, in Sota, he says that the reason that the Kedushah of Uvalitzion is so powerful in a, Kabbalistic, uh, in a Kabbalistic sense is because it's similar to Kaddish. And we've learned by Kaddish that Kaddish is said in their view, in the view of the Mekubalim, it's said in Targum, because it has a special power to break the kilipot or to break the, the negative forces in Shemayim, so too Valetzion has, has a special power to break the um, kilipot in Shemayim, to, to break the negative forces and to bring Kedushah down to lower places. So that's another, another reason for why it's said in Targum and that's why it's translated. So I mentioned this thing about saying it be a chidut. The Zohar says that... Um, the Zohar says that anything which is said b'yechidut has to be said in Targum. From this, the Beit Yosef in uh, Siman Tet infers that something which is said in Targum should also be should also not be said. Something which is a davar shiva uh like if I'm remembering correctly. No, I'm mixing up something. I'm sorry. It's I'm mixing this up with sitting. He says in in in. Um, in Simanu Tet, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm talking about Balachash. That's what I'm. What, that's what I'm thinking about to say it quietly. So he learns. I, I'll just finish it because I'm saying it. The, the Beit Yosef says that to say it quietly, we learn from that Zohar because um, if it's said in Targum and it's only for a Yachid, it's only for an individual. So too, you should say the Targum quietly. The Arizal did not like that logic. The Arizal and a few other uh, luminaries did not agree with that inference from the Zohar, and therefore the Arizal himself, as well as the Moroccan Minhag, in most places was not to say the, um, the Targum part quietly. And this is because of their understanding of the Zohar, but the Beit Yosef himself understood it 
understood the Beit understood the Zohar to mean that the Targum is only for Yachid and Yachid should say it quietly. That's the Minhag in many places, but the um, the there are plenty of people who are justified in saying it out loud. Most of the Sidurim today just say Belachash and everybody follows the rules, not knowing that there is there is another Minhag. I used to accidentally say it out loud. People would give me like funny looks, so I stopped doing it <laughs> because I knew there was no difference. Um, the Meraki Minhag is to say it out loud as well, but the common practice is, what do you mean? The Sidur is the greatest posek in the world, and you have to, you know, you have to follow whatever the Sidur says. So um, you don't, don't mess with the Sidur, uh, is what people believe. Okay, so now, about saying it bi'chidut, there's a question, is that if, that, if this is kidusha, if this is um, a sanctification of God's name, similar to the kidusha v'yotzer, the question arises, can one say this if he's davening alone? A person's davening at home, can he say Uval on his own? So this is a machoket geonim and a machoket rishonim. It goes all the way back. It hinges on the same um, uh, argument by Kedushah v'yotzer. That is, what level of Kedushah is this? Is it a sipur dvarim ba'alma? Is it just a sipur dvarim? Are you just saying over what the angels say? Or are you actually sanctifying Hashem yourself? Furthermore, there's another element to this discussion as to it, the history. Like, if the history is that it was instituted as a tefillah and it was instituted as a real kedusha, like the Abudraham, then you might say it's a real kedusha and you shouldn't be allowed to do, say it alone. Some say that even if it was originally instituted historically because of Torah learning, once it was instituted, once it became part of the prayers, it then received the 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 status of a davar shel davar shel, uh, of a thing which is holy, and the halacha is a davar They are not allowed to say um, something which is kadosh with less than a million of people. So that's where the machloket began. It's discussed in the Torah, Kuf Lamed Bet. The he brings from his father the rush that approved. He said you could say it bechidut. The general minhag is today to say it bechidut. However, the sidurim, the good ones, will write that a person should say it with the ta'amim. That a person should read it like he's being Kore B'Torah or, or B'Navi in order so that it shouldn't be literally like saying a Kedusha. That's that halacha. That's what most people follow. Last, uh, two more things. First of all, why don't we say it on... This is more of a discussion for the Shabbat Shurim that we'll have in the future, and the Motzei Shabbat Shurim. But we do say it on Shachrit... We don't say it on Shachrit of Shabbat, and we do say it on the Mincha of Shabbat. We also say Uvalitzion, part of it at least, on Motzei Shabbat. So where did all that come from? So briefly, um, according to the Geonim, it makes sense because they already learned Torah Navi on Shabbat. They would go through the whole parasha, just like our Minhag is today. So there already was Torah learning. Therefore, it wasn't necessary in Shachrit. But in Mincha time, before Mincha, just like today, they would have classes and they would learn Torah. So Mincha time they would do Uvalitzion right before Mincha because it was their way of ending the Torah classes. So that's typical and it makes a lot of sense. Um, according to the Abu Durham, there was no need because the Abu Durham says it was only instituted for the, late, for the latecomers. On Shabbat, generally the tefillot were long enough that nobody came late enough to miss Kedusha. And therefore, there was no need to say Uvalitzion after Shachrit. The Yavet says... It's a little bit of, a, of an escape, but he says that we say it on the Mincha just so that we shouldn't forget um, to say it, even though on Shabbat there is no need. 
to, to say it, the Yavid says we wouldn't say Uvalis Yon Shabbat because we don't speak about Teshuvah and Shabbat. Okay. Now, as far as Motzei Shabbat, I didn't delve into this too deeply. Um, the Abu Yerham brings that it's in order to, uh, I saw two reasons. One is to, to make Shabbat, lo- to make the Tefillah of Arvit longer because they used to pray in the fields. And if they prayed in the fields um, and a person was praying Shmon Esrei too long, uh, he could get stranded there by himself and he has to walk home alone, which is a little bit dangerous. Fine, so they kept the, the tefillah of Arvit on Motzei Shabbat a little bit longer by saying Uvalisyon. Another reason I saw, and I, again, I didn't do a deep dive into the Motzei Shabbat reason, but I saw the Abu Derham brings that the Neshamot that are in Gehenom get released, so to speak, a little bit on Shabbat, and therefore we're trying to extend Shabbat a little bit, and we say Uvalisyon a little longer. We, we add Uvalisyon to make Shabbat a little longer, to, to be Mosif the Kedushah of Shabbat, to add sanctity of Shabbat a little bit longer just so that uh, the, the Nishamot, these souls in Shemayim, should be able to remain out of Gehenom for a little bit longer. Okay, lastly, the last thing we'll talk about is the sitting down. Where does that come from? The answer is I don't know. <laughs> I, um, I found the Rambam in the Shelot Tshuvot, the version of the Mekitse near Damim, they asked him if it was appropriate to sit down for the Kedushah of Yotzer. Um, Yotzer in the, in the terminology of the Rishonim meant Shachrit. It didn't always mean Yotzer R. Uh, it, it seems from the Teshuvah that they're asking him about Ubalitzion, but I'm not 100% certain of this. And they ask him if it's appropriate to sit or to stand because one of their community leaders made everybody stand. And the Rambam says, no, you should sit by Ubalitzion because that's the Minhag. Um, sorry, you should sit by this Kedushah because that's the Minhag. It's possible that he's referring to the Kedushah of Balitzion, and that's how some people quote it, and therefore they say the Halakha is to sit by Ubalitzion. There are Kabbalistic reasons for sitting by Ubalitzion, um, similarly to the reasons we discussed earlier when we spoke about the Kedushah of Yotzer R, which is that it's in the world of Bria, and for Kabbalistic reasons it makes more sense to sit by this Kedushah while the Kedushah of that Kedushah is required to be standing because that's in the world of Atzilut, and therefore each one has its own Kabbalistic reasons. So that concludes the historical introduction for Uval um, as to why it was instituted, all the different uh, versions of it. I don't think I forgot anything. If I did, uh, please ask. And Bezat um, Hashem next week will continue with the text itself and we'll analyze the Targum and go through it piece by piece. So thanks everyone for coming.